to uh, introduce this message this morning. It's a, it's a tale of two Samsons. We're going to talk about two different Samsons this morning. One you might be familiar with in the book of Judges, chapter 16. The other you might not be. His name is Samson Parker. And I want to show a video here of Samson Parker. So we're going to pull that up. And I want you to watch this story of Samson Parker before we talk about Samson and Judges. Early September 2007, Samson Parker decided to take a quick break from work to pick a load of corn at his nearby farm. Everything was going great. I mean, it was just picking the corn. The machine was running perfect, and the big ears of corn was just shooting in the back of the wagon like it was supposed to. Then his corn picker jammed. The other times when it clogged up, I always kept the corn picker cut off. This time, I thought by turning the machine on that the rollers would take the corn stalk through, and it didn't. When I grabbed a hold of the corn stalk and pulled down and couldn't get the corn stalk to come out, then I pushed up. And when I did, in a split second, it pulled my hand up into the roller. I was so mad. I could not believe what had happened. Samson felt the rollers rip into his glove and then his right hand. It was very painful. I was panicked. I was like, if I don't get free pretty soon, I'm gonna bleed to death right here. He started grasping at anything within reach. I was busy with my left hand digging into the dirt to, to get dirt and rocks. And I knew I had to jam the machine to get my hand free from the rollers. At that point, I turned to God and I screamed out, cried out to God several times for help. I was so scared that I was gonna die there and my family, my wife Leanne and Samson Jr. coming down finding me on the farm because they, they wouldn't, very many people knew I was down at the farm that day. I was gonna do whatever it took uh, to get free from that machine. Samson then spotted the metal pin connecting the trailer hitch to the picker. He kept trying to jam the gears with the pin, but every attempt failed. Finally, it worked and the gears and rollers came to a stop, but his hand was still stuck and the gears kept grinding. They threw sparks into the corn stalks below, and soon he had another problem. Just screaming for help and, and crying out to God. The biggest thing I was thinking about is I wasn't gonna burn to death there. Samson realized he had only one option. He reached around for his pocket knife. Fire will make you do things that you never thought you would ever do. When I screamed out to God to help me, it was like God took my left hand and I brought it out and just jammed it to my forearm. And that was painful. My hand being ripped apart by the rollers, that was painful. My leg being on fire and my arm being on fire and burning and the skin melting like plastic, as you can imagine, that was painful. But when I hit those nerves in my forearm, that was pain. I passed out for a little bit because I remember looking down at my mom and, and my wife arguing to be where, where I was going to be buried. And somehow I came to, and I continued to cut my arm off. Samson had been trapped for two hours when he freed himself. I'd never forget jumping up and screaming, I'm free, I'm free. I mean, as bad as it sounds, but I was so excited. So I jumped in the truck. I knew I had to get help. When I arrived up to the road and I started trying to wave people down to get people to stop, nobody would stop. So what I did is I pulled my truck crossways in the roadway I said a prayer to God that I have done everything I can do. I'm in your hands now. And people still drove around in front of my truck. As I was dying, I was thinking, man, I hope somebody will stop. 
finally someone did. He was an off-duty EMT. My truck door opened up and this guy sticks his head in and he says, hey man, are you okay? And I raised up what was left of my right arm and I said, I think I need a little help. As he worked to stabilize Samson and stop the bleeding, a woman arrived on the scene who happened to be a nurse. So God had sent the right people at the right time, right there in the middle of, of, of nowhere. And he answered my prayer. The pair arranged for a life flight to take him to the hospital. Not long after, Samson's wife, Leanne, got a phone call from her mother. She had no details, only that Samson had been in a bad accident. No one's ever prepared for a call like that. I did pull over and stop the car, and I, you know, just cried out to God that I wasn't ready, um, you know, to lose my husband yet. Samson was flown to the Atlanta Burn Center. It was a four-hour drive, and Leanne and their son, Samson Jr., prayed the entire way. I guess the worst part was not knowing, not knowing what had happened to him, what the severity of the accident was, um, or whether he was by himself, or just not having any knowledge at all as to what happened. At the hospital, they learned about the accident and how badly Samson had been hurt. Still, Leanne says she felt a sense of peace. A lot of answered prayers. I've never felt anything like that in my life. There's a sense of calmness. There's a sense of um, being able to, to deal with what you're going through. And it was like, almost like arms were around me, just loving me and holding on to me and taking care of me. Over the next several weeks, Samson underwent six surgeries and a number of excruciating burn treatments. He had time for a lot of thinking. Before the accident, I was a guy who was all about my family and, and, and myself. And I wasn't baptized as a, as a young kid or had never taken Jesus into my heart. But I knew as soon as I was able to get out, the first thing I was going to do was take Jesus into to my heart. When he got out of the hospital, he did just that. For Leanne, it was another answer to her prayers. How excited I was that he was accepting um, Jesus Christ into his life that day and joining the church and joining us. I have spent years and years and years praying uh, for him to be by my side. The Parkers have adjusted well to Samson having only one hand, and they take nothing for granted. Right. <laughs> Good job, babe. Samson is a gift from God. Um, he is the love of my life, and um, I wouldn't know what to do without him. And I am thankful every day for him and the time we have together. Samson has told his story many times, but what he most wants people to know goes beyond his survival. If you cry out to God, he is there for you. Uh, also, the, the prayers, uh, prayers work, because I'm living proof that prayers work. I'm right here, um, and that there is a God. That was Samson Parker. As we look at Samson Parker, I want to look at another Samson in Judges chapter 16. In Judges chapter 16, as we look at that, Let's open up to verse 18. I wanted to show you that video of Samson Parker this morning because it's quite a different story from Samson Parker to Samson in the book of Judges. But both of them had some things they needed to cut out of their lives. Both of them had some things that they really needed to get rid of in their lives. 
We look at Samson as a hero because Samson in the book of Judges is a hero. He's sort of a hero. In fact, he's in the Faith Hall of Fame in Judges chapter 11. But uh, this Samson in the book of Judges was no saint. He was no uh, Sunday school teacher, so to speak. Samson had a lot of problems. And we don't always remember him that way. We just remember coloring the pictures, right? In Sunday school class. But Samson was quite different than the one, the Samson of the Bible was quite different than the Samson that maybe we grew up hearing about. The Samson of the Bible had all kinds of problems that needed to be cut away in his life, that needed to be ended in his life. So my question to you today is this, as we approach this text, this is my question to you. Like Samson Parker, and like Samson and Judges, what is it in your life that needs to be cut away so that you can live? What is it in your life that really needs to go? That it's been on you long enough, it's held you there long enough, it's put you in prison long enough. What is it in your life that, okay, it's time for that to go? Okay? That's where we're going. Now, I want to look at this guy, Samson, from the Bible, and we're going to pick up this story when we find him in prison. We don't have time to read the whole story this morning. So what we're going to do is we're just going to pick up the story of Samson, the true story of Samson, while he was in prison. And while he was in prison and what got him there. So, as we read... I want, to, I want us to notice the problems that led him to prison, the problems that led him to prison. Now, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of the background of the story first. The problems that led him to prison basically were this. He was a spoiled brat and he was a wimp. That's right. Uh, I, you think you say Samson wasn't a wimp. Come on. Samson was no wimp. We all sort of heard of this guy, Samson, and he's supposed to be like Superman, right? He, he wasn't a wimp. No, Samson was a wimp. Not only was Samson a wimp, but Samson was a spoiled brat. Now, if you read through the Bible story of Samson, you'll see that he was both a wimp and a spoiled brat. i tell you some of the things. I'll just tell you a couple of the things that Samson went through that led up to the time when he went into prison. One of the things is he always got his way. He always got what he wanted. He was an only child born to parents of their older years. And, and as he was this only child, what we see Samson growing up is when he wanted something, he asked mama and daddy for it, and mama and daddy better get it for him. And we've all known folks like that, right? And that's the, way this, that's the way this kid was. He grew up and he saw a woman of the Philistines. He wanted this woman of the Philistines as a full-grown man. As a full-grown man, he's not supposed to have a woman of the Philistines. He's supposed to take a woman of his own people to marry. But instead, he wanted something he wasn't supposed to have. And instead of going over there and talking to her parents himself, you know what Samson did? Samson said, Mom and Daddy, I want you to get her for me. And they said, why? Why, why? why don't you pick? There's, there's a whole nation of women here that are of your own people. And that's what you're supposed to do as a proper Jewish Nazarite man. And, and they said, that's what you're supposed to do. But Samson said, no, 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 no. I want her and I want you to go get her for me. Go talk to him about it for me. That's what he did. And then just like any other spoiled brat, he throws temper tantrums throughout the story of his life every time he doesn't get his way. 
He does. He doesn't get his way. He throws a temper tantrum. He doesn't get what he wants. He pouts for months before he does anything about it. That's, that's the story of Samson's life. I encourage you to go home and read the whole story. It's just a few chapters long, backing up a couple of chapters there, and just read the story of Samson, and you'll see him having this pattern in his life of every time he doesn't get his way, he throws a fit and he pitches a temper tantrum. Now, I think we could probably make a case that Samson probably didn't get enough, uh, enough uh, warmth on his rear end growing up in order to help him understand he didn't need to be a little brat. So then when he got grown up, you know what you, know what you have if, if, you, if you raise a spoiled brat? You get a full-grown brat. That's what you get. And Samson was a full-grown brat, and Samson was a wimp. The other reason Samson was a wimp was because of this, is because we think of a wimp as being someone who doesn't have physical strength. No, 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 no. The wimp is someone who cannot control themselves and always have to have what they want whenever they want it, and they just throw temper tantrums like little children I don't know any better. And that's the way Samson was. Samson was controlled in his life by his desire for women and his desire for women and sex and things like that. He could not control in his own life and it just consumed him so much that he had absolutely no self-control over his own desires, which is why he hurt everyone in his life around him. That was Samson's pattern. Wow. Wow. The guy who's in the Faith Hall of Fame. How do, you go from, how do you go from that to being in the Faith Hall of Fame? How do you go from that to being someone that God honored and mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11? How do you go from that to that in your life? Samson did. Samson did. He didn't die that overgrown, spoiled brat that he had become. So I want us to follow beginning in verse 18 and look for the things in Samson's life that had to be cut away so that he could be changed. Follow along with me. So the things that led to his prison. The first thing I want you to notice is the problems that led to prison. The problems that led to prison. Number one, he was a wimp and a spoiled brat. The other problem that led to prison was his sin lulled him to sleep. Watch this. Now when Delilah, this is another woman that he was living with that was not his wife, hello. It doesn't indicate that he had any intentions of marrying her at all. And it says, when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart. I, I, you know what, I wasn't going to go there, but while I'm here, I'm just going to go ahead and go there. You know why a guy is content to live with a woman for years and years and years without marrying her it's because of a lack of, lack of desire to commitment and it is not godly. And that is what Samson was doing here in this passage. And this is what it says. It says, When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more. For he had told me all of his heart. She was setting him up. So the lords of the Philistines, his enemies here, came up to her and brought the money in their hand. She sold him out. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees. 
and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before, as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. It wasn't really Samson's hair that made him strong. It was the presence of God in his life that made him strong. And the hair was symbolic of that for Samson that day and age. And so that was symbolic of his strength. But it was actually the presence of the Lord. And finally, Samson had been tricked by Delilah enough so that she found out what was really where his strength lied. And his hair was cut off and he was going to go out and whoop all the Philistines like he did before. But it says that she lulled him to sleep on her knees. The problem that led to prison was he was a wimp and a spoiled brat. And the problem that led to prison was that sin had lulled him to sleep. That's the way sin does. Sin lulls us to sleep so that we don't even recognize what's going on in our life. Satan doesn't wake up one morning and say, here's what I want you to do. And, and you're off in some grievous, horrible sin in your life. That's not what happens. What happens in your life is this. Is Satan slowly but surely drip. Drip, 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 day by day by day by day by day, one little thing at a time until you don't realize how much you have actually compromised your faith. And the sin lulls you to sleep to the point that you don't even realize how deep you're in. And then once you're so deep in, you can't get out. And, and so the problem that lulled him to sleep was that that sin had lulled him to sleep and that problem led him to prison. The other problem that led him to prison was this. It says that he said he would go out and shake himself free as he did before, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Think about that statement with me for just a minute. He did not know that God's presence wasn't with him anymore. You know, the only way to not know that God's presence is with you and the only way to not know that God's presence is in your church is when you've done things for so long without him and you've done things for so long without him in your life, guiding and directing you and without relying on his power and his presence of his Holy Spirit and you've done things that way so long that when you wake up one morning, and as he's gone, you don't notice any difference. These are the problems that led, Sam, that led Samson to prison. He didn't even notice the difference when God had departed from him. Now, it goes on to say this. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. And I want you to notice the punishments he performed in prisons. It says in verse 21, then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice 
And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. I want you to notice the, the, the things he performed in prison, the punishments he performed in prison. What happens whenever sin lulls us to sleep and the punishments he performed? The punishments were all related to his crimes. Notice first, his eyes were plucked out by the Philistines. His eyes were plucked out. What was it that it was always getting Samson into trouble? It was his eyes. It was his eyes. Remember what Jesus said about that in Matthew, the fifth chapter, where he said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Isn't that what he said? He said that in Matthew chapter five. If you can't control your eyes, pluck them out. Well, his eyes were plucked out, so the lust problem went away, went away real quick. He couldn't see anymore. And then the Bible says also that they made him a grinder in the prison. I love the way the old King James puts that. It says, and in the prison he did grind. Isn't that what we do there? Isn't that what we do? Now, a grinder in the prison, the interesting thing about that was that it was this huge mill that was so huge, in fact, that it ground all the, all the, the, uh, the weed and the corn, whatever it was they would be growing at that time, and it would grind all of the, everything they needed to grind in the mill, so they would grind this stuff in the mill. And it was something that was made for an animal to pull. It was so big, these big millstones. So you would have an ox or a donkey or something like that that would walk around in circles all day long and grind and grind and grind and grind. And it was so heavy, it was an animal's job, not a human's. Notice how that relates to Samson's sin. It relates totally to Samson's sin because here's the deal, right? Samson was always behaving like an animal. He was always behaving like an animal. He didn't believe like a man. He wanted to do whatever he wanted to do, whenever he wanted to do it. And he wanted to behave like an animal all the time. And God finally says, all right, you can act like one. You want to be an animal? Do the work of an animal. Grind in the prison. Not only that, but the Bible says that they bound him with bronze fetters. So he was brown bound to this mill in the prison. He was bound with this bond, these bronze fetters. And as he, was, as he was bound, think about how that related to Samson's sin. Samson's sin was that he was always wanting to be free and do whatever he wanted, go wherever he wanted. He was supposed to be a judge in Israel and he was supposed to be helping the people, but instead of, instead of taking care of his responsibility that God had given him, what was he doing? He was spending all of his time being free, doing whatever he wanted to do. And that is the lie of Satan. That is the trick of Satan. The trick of Satan is this, is that what he does is he promises you freedom. He promises you complete and total freedom, but he gives you bondage instead. 
See, you don't know that whenever Satan tempts you, whenever Satan tempts me, it always looks like it gives us a greater degree of freedom. But every single time, there are bronze fetters attached that, friend, you can't see. There are strings attached that will make you live in bondage. So, the last punishment that he received while he was in prison was this. Uh, it says that they called him in front of his very enemies, the people that he'd hated all of his life, the people that he tried to destroy all of his life. And they brought him before his enemies and they put him out in front of everybody and it said he performed for them. I want you to notice that it wasn't just that they were kind of kicking him around and pushing him around and and mistreating him in there was deeper than that it was beyond that the bible says so it happened when their hearts were merry that they said call for samson that he may perform for us so they called for samson from the prison and he performed for them you catch that the greatest samson the greatest sin of samson was his pride it was his pride. It's what gets us all in trouble, doesn't it? Pride. That can really get us in trouble. Samson's sin was pride. And here he is performing for them like a fool. Performing for his enemies who feared him like a fool. That's what Satan does to us, isn't it? You know what, though? I'm so glad that, that the story doesn't end there. The pride had to be cut off in Samson's life and, and the, the, the lust had to be cut off in Samson's life. And all of these other things in Samson's life, the, the desire to be free from any, any responsibility had to be cut off in Samson's life. The temper tantrums of the spoiled brat had to be cut off in Samson's life. But after all of these things were cut off, I want you to notice this story has a great ending. This story has a really good ending. I'm so glad to tell you that. And this is the ending. I want you to notice the power of prayer in the prison. So we have the problems that led to his imprisonment. And then we have the punishment he performed in prison. But now we have the power of prayer in prison. I want you to notice several things in his life. The Bible says this. It says, Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temples so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All of the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, and one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords of the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed with his, in his death were more than that he had killed in his life of the people who were at war with his nation. Now, 
I want you to notice several things about his freedom, about the prayers that he prayed in his prison. The first thing I want you to notice is that while he was grinding at that mill, behaving like an animal, the whole time the Bible says his hair of his head began to grow. The hair of his head began to grow. And whenever we come to our senses and God begins to cut those things off in our life, then what happens is the hair of our head begins to grow. Our strength begins to come back to us and and God begins to strengthen and encourage our hearts as soon as we begin to cut away those things in our life which God wants us to get rid of. When you begin to cut those things out of your life, I promise you, God begins to give you strength again. He begins to encourage you again. He begins to build you up again. And the hair of Samson's head began to grow. I want you to notice the other thing is what he said to the lad. He said to the lad who held him by the hands. Now he was saying this to a boy, but this is a prayer that we can pray to God. And he said, place my hands on the pillars which support the temple. Other words, what he was saying to them was this. He was saying, put my hands, my right hand and my left hand, put my hands where they will be most effective, where they will do the most damage, where they will be most effective. Place both of my hands where they will be most effective. And if you want God to turn things around in your life, that is a prayer that you can pray. If you are aging and getting old in life, That is a prayer that you can pray. If you're a young person and just starting in life, that is a prayer that you can pray. You can ask God and say to God, God, I want my life to make a difference. I want whatever is left of my life to make a difference. I want every single second of my life to make a difference. So God, take my hand, my right hand and my left hand and place them exactly where you want them to be, wherever that is. Place them where you want them to be so that they will be most effective in the kingdom of God and that my life will have maximum impact in the kingdom of God. Place my hands there, oh God. You can pray that prayer to God just like he asked that request of the little child. Prayers he prayed in prison. I want you to notice the other thing he said while he was in prison. In his prayers he prayed this. He said, oh God, strengthen me just this once so that, and he spoke about this vengeance and all of this stuff. And in his own way, what he was saying to God was this. He was saying, he was saying, God, I know I need your help now. God, I know I can't do this on my own now. We don't see Samson really praying to God any other time in the text. We see him making requests of God like the pouty child that he is another couple of times in his life. We see him maybe saying some things to God because he's pouting because he's not getting what he's wanting again. One time it's because he's thirsty. <laughs> and he's pouting about it. But now we see him praying and understanding what the scripture says, which 
Samson's pattern of life was that he took vengeance himself. Every single thing he did was taking vengeance himself, doing it himself, doing it himself, taking vengeance himself. And he was all about the vengeance. And now at the end of his life, he understands what the scripture says, which is vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And this man who had spent all of his life on vengeance finally gets at the end of his life that only God can dole out justice, that only God can dole out vengeance, that it's God's territory to do that and without God's help it will never happen he finally understands this so he cries out to God and he says do it one more time and he says but it has to be you that doesn't because I can't the other thing I want you to notice about the prayer that he prayed in prison was that his life was no longer important to him At one time, Samson makes request of his people in the beginning of his life not to hurt him. He says to his own nation, we won't hurt me, will you? When they took him out. Another time in his life, he makes a pouting request of God and he says to God, he says, God, you allowed me to do all of this and and here I am and I'm going to die of thirst. I'm just so thirsty. He pouts to God. Now I'm going to die of thirst, he says. Notice how unimportant his life is to him now and the mission is of all importance. The mission is of all importance and now his life is totally unimportant and he says, let me die with the Philistines. That's the power of the prison. The power of the prayer in the prison. The power of God cutting things away in our lives. As I was thinking about that, it brings us back to Samson Parker. And I want to I wanna ask you about Samson Parker. I heard several versions of Samson Parker's story and heard him tell it a couple of different times in a few different ways and read articles about it. And actually what happened was when his hand was caught, he began to cut away his fingers first. And he realized it was taking too long. So then he cut off his arm, broke the bone so he could live. I'm going to ask you the same question in closing that I opened with. What is it in your life that needs to be cut away? I want you to just listen to the words of Jesus for a moment. This is what he says in Matthew 5, 27 through 30. Just listen to these words. You have heard that it was said of those who, oh, you shall not not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish 
and your whole body to be cast into hell. Those are severe words. If you want your hands to be placed exactly where God wants them to have a maximum amount of impact in your life, there are certain things in your life first which must be cut away. What are those things? What are those things? We're going to have a time of invitation. Time of prayer. And you don't have to bring a butcher knife. You don't have to pluck out your eyes. But what you do have to do is leave your sin at the altar. You've got to cut the sin off of your life. It's time to trim the fat. Serve the Lord. Get rid of whatever you need to get rid of in your life. So today when we have the time of invitation, I want us to look at this, just these steps up here. I want us to look at these, this altar here. I want us to make it into an altar today. And on that altar that we have here today, what I want you to do is come up and use it like a chopping block. Whack. Cut it off. Get rid of whatever it is in your life that's holding you back from serving the Lord. Maybe it's anger, bitterness, strife, gossip. Maybe it's an addiction of some kind in your life that you need to get rid of. Maybe it's something you've held on to so long you forgot about it till this morning because Satan has lulled you to sleep. But you want to get rid of it today. Pray with me as the musicians come and we'll have a time of invitation.